This is Michael Bublé wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we are wrapping up our holiday trilogy. The holiday season's all about peace, love, goodwill to all men and women, uh, a fresh start. And in true Trilogy in Theory fashion, we've chosen films that feature criminal activity during this (laughs) (laughs) would-be joyous time. Nobody's Fool is the first one that we talked about. And the crimes in this movie are seen more as practical jokes rather than hardened crimes, but it's still criminal activity. A simple plan is boy, one brutal crime that has real-world consequences, and it kind of snowballs into conspiracy and murder. And lastly, Eternal Sunshine, which feature emotionally crippling crimes. Uh, I guess they're legal, technically legal brain damage, and then identity theft of sorts with Elijah Wood's character that have a very profound effect on our two main leads. What the hell is wrong with this, Mike? Why can't we just enjoy the season for what it is? And before you answer that, I had my father <laughs> who cornered me <laughs> during a little gather we were having. And uh, he had a little bit to drink, so he was a little loosey-goosey. And he was like, mm-hmm. why? you just happy like i see mm. you all the time and you're just I, I don't know how to explain to you how to be happy it's like you have a good life you have this and that's like i know i have all that but it's not like there's a switch that i'm like oh i should just be happy and then you're happy and for the most part like my my level like where i am it's not super happy or super depressed it's just kind of like almost apathetic with certain things, but I'm not just a generally happy individual, despite the fact that, well, how much of a good time we have. And I don't want to just put that upon you, but when I speak to you, I kind of get that same vibe, where you're just as annoyed with everything outside (laughs) of, you know, your little universe here in podcasting, Uh, with your family, hmm. with your dog, with your wife, with your interests. Hate all of them. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I, 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 I feel a very close connection to you in that regard where you're just as frustrated with life that's not related to you. Okay, you're hitting on it because I, I do feel remarkably and pleasantly self-involved when I'm, when I'm at my happiest because if I can shut everything else out, politics, the world, and you know, I... I have the, the the privilege, so to speak. Even though, like, one thing that I harped on in this particular trilogy, especially when it came to Simple Plan, is this sort of eat-the-rich uh, buffet that I cannot personally wait for. I hope I live long enough to see it. I want my Marie Antoinette moment. I want to eat my cake <laughs> and <laughs> behead someone, because <laughs> that sounds like a lark. <laughs> uh, happy holidays, everyone. But, 
Yes, I um I have a hard time getting into uh, as the as a, a, a straight white guy. You're listening to a podcast, so there's gonna be one of us. There's at least gonna be one voice, <laughs> straight white guy. Especially if we're talking about movies. Uh, I'm me. just here for diversity. <laughs> <laughs> All that being said, I've you know not had as much to. I can I can blend right. Uh, in, in fact, there's a, a certain great mediocrity to being a straight white male that <laughs> you can just disappear into the shadows of life uh some of them which you know some films have touched upon like uh fight club where it seems like young white men get very angry that uh they're not acknowledged they're not observed by the world certainly m- most mag voters seem to display those qualities as well as some sort of lost or forgotten generation um i think they're just upset that they didn't get to revel and the depravity of being a straight white dude for the last <laughs> number of centuries. And it's kind of like the beginning of Sopranos. Like, we feel we're at the very end of it. I think they're just now discovering it. I, myself, if I'm not into my own bullshit, yes, I could lapse into anger and despair. One thing that really annoys my wife and probably causes some of our like very minor uh, tiffs is that I don't think she enjoys how much... I enjoy someone saying this sucks and everything sucks. <laughs> if you say something sucks, it almost deflates it for me where it's like, it, it takes all that anger and rage. I'm like, thank you. Just th- thank you. Let's just let's sit for that for a moment and then we'll move on. But if, when, as soon as someone tries to turn me around, say, <laughs> if you want to get me at my anger, say it's not that bad because a, B and C, because then I turn into a, a taller, thinner George Costanza where I just cannot wait to, to implode right then and there. Uh, so yes, what you have observed is correct. This is uh, like a, I guess, a safe space and a place to vent this, this podcast because trying to bring in some of our real-world experiences with uh, the very thing that I think has given us both a great amount of joy in our lives. <laughs> and I guess in this weird way, we celebrate the holidays by seeing people in turmoil and pain. Thank God we started with Nobody's Fool, which was selected because it was Thanksgiving. A simple plan is the new year. And then we end with Valentine's Day, which I guess for some people, I don't know if it was for you, is like one of the most painful probably holidays to go through. Like maybe more so in your youth uh, than later on in life. I, well... I found myself always frustrated during that time, like a lot of other people, to some extent. Because I knew that I have my culture to fall back on, and I've got, like, arranged marriage in the background, it was both a comfort, like, okay, well, I, for the most part, feel like I'll I'll find somebody, and it'll be okay, and I'll enjoy every other Valentine's Day afterwards, but it was also a hindrance because like because I know that person is coming in my life, I don't want to string anybody else along. And I found myself, uh, unfortunately, in those situations where, you know, the heart wants what it wants and you find somebody that you kind of relate to or you want to have dinner with, etc. and so forth and, and do other, other uh, uh, intimate activities with. And you have to try to find a way to... I hate to say this, but enjoy it, but also understand that it's ephemeral and try to get them to understand. (laughs) Web (laughs) has already moved on to the next. Whoa, this is really romantic to be like, I like everything about you except the fact that you are a placeholder (laughs) for Margaret. 
But see, that really, ner- really gets the panties off. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is because I know the cultural ramifications of having somebody who doesn't belong to my culture and and with my background, having them put into a situation where they are fish out of water, it doesn't always turn out like, you know, the movies and TV you watch. It's much more horrific and emotionally devastating. And so it's like, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to put somebody else through that. And so it was frustrating. I ultimately did find somebody uh, through family and through, not in my family, through <laughs> family connections. Uh it all kind of worked out, and I'm ha- enjoying every other Valentine's Day, like I mentioned that I thought I would. So, yes, I, I it was a tough time for me. Uh, you, you're a good-looking, straight, white male. I, I see no reason for you to have bad Valentine's Day before or after your wife. Explain to me. How was how are yours? They're fine. Uh, one of my favorite ones was when I was single, is I went to go watch Daredevil by myself on Valentine's <laughs> Day, starring Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing like you're laughing and i think most people would be like oh god he did experience heartbreak and trauma no nah, baby it was awesome i loved it <laughs> it's just me and benny boo at the movies <laughs> if the, i would believe you if it was the director's cut but i don't know that that theatrical version you, you had no coolio zero percent i can't believe they cut out entire subplot of a movie and and had it ready for theatrical exhibition. I think that's shocking, but good on them, I guess. One day, one day we will cover Daredevil. <laughs> I I want to really troll our listeners and have a trilogy where it's bookended by Daredevil the theatrical cut and then the director's one and then just whatever in the <laughs> middle. It doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> not just you and me we're not the only ones who rage against the holidays at times because we have films like black christmas seminal work of uh, it wasn't quite a slasher but it was a prelude to it before even halloween i think it's clear with works like black christmas uh, gremlins and all sorts of things that take the holidays and any holidays not just the christmas time but uh, or my bloody valentine you know you've got these <laughs> some would say daredevil the theatrical <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just us there are creatives out there who use these holidays to showcase some of the worst things imaginable are people just generally bad or cynical uh, because I, I bust out the Michael Bublé Christmas album every year during this time. I, he just I has such well. a sweet voice. <laughs> you do not stop it. I, I did. I, this, this past holiday season, I was using my HomePods, and I was, hey, Siri, little Bublé Christmas. Uh, hey, what do you think? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. I like the idea that your HomePod is like, yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> if only I could program it to be like slightly agreeable like it's like i wouldn't have thought of that without you thanks man in your human form yeah let's get to it 
Do you always go for the different films during uh, uh, any holiday season? Like, we can't just have a regular uh, a Christmas movie. Do you always want it to be a little twist with uh, in terms of its themes and its message? It's funny, though, because even what you would consider probably the standard... Uh, especially with like Christmas films, because there's just uh, that's probably like the uh, the widest amount. I mean, uh, is it is it Hallmark or multiple channels that do just yeah. exclusively Christmas stuff like for two months? Um, there's a little bit of that with the Halloween season. Seems like there's like competing ideologies, like which is basically just like meme culture as far as like no Halloween is my Christmas, that sort of thing. Um, I I do have this sort of tradition where I. I try to watch new, not new-ish as far as like it has to be a new release, but a Christmas movie I've never seen just to add into the mix. Because I do feel like that may be uh, the most specific genre where people just watch the same thing over and over. It's like yeah. that is the time where you just have this is what I watch at Christmas. I have the traditional movie. Uh, Sometimes something like Elf, uh, which like, may be the most modernish version of becoming like a holiday uh, staple for me, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. It is the uh, Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz starring uh, the, just the holiday is the one that me and my wife agreed to watch every Christmas. But no, I try to mix in different things, but I'm not actively looking <laughs> for something to be like, man, the holidays get me down. Can I find something with the most amount of conflict and hopefully a lot of people <laughs> dying, preferably teenage girls at college? I'm I'm not actively seeking that out. But you are correct. That does seem to be the way to make, or I guess it used to, make people feel better about themselves. Even um, one that came out, I think, in 2020 during you know uh, the COVID pre-vaccine holidays, I think called Holiday, I believe was a Netflix original. And that the whole premise of that could have been a B-side for our, our trilogy, these, these stolen uh, scraps of the holidays, and that it's about a couple that are perpetually single and decide to make this pact that they will always be their respective dates for the holiday season, just to cover all the bases. So yeah, that, that seems to be like um, a thing that uh, filmmakers feel like people need extra comfort because it, I don't know, it, it is a stressful time, right? Even if you have a, I mean, especially if you have a big family and a lot of presents, there's a lot to check off. Even if you genuinely enjoy that, it's a, it's a big undertaking. So, you know, that's, I don't think we get that for uh Labor Day weekend. I don't know if that's a <laughs> trope. <laughs> it's that particular holiday weekend. So I loved Nobody's Fool, and I'm very thankful to you for having introduced that. It's uh, certainly I the was... most pleasant, uh, maybe the only pleasant one of this trilogy. <laughs> I think so. I was really affected by a simple plan, and I continue to, for the lack of a better word, tolerate eternal sunshine i wow. respect and appreciate it it just ha has not penetrated my soul you, you, sound but, so uh, you know, fatherly you sound like you're talking to eternal sunshine this punk kid and you're like you're gonna get over it <laughs> you're gonna walk it <laughs> off <laughs> you think this is your big love but it ain't <laughs> it's it's so combative this relationship you have with this film <laughs> and actually uh, having Seen it and kind of letting it sit, I will give a big shout-out to Michel Gondry. I think the first thing people think of with Eternal Sunshine is the script. And it's like, oh, Kaufman, brilliant work, and he uh, he got nominated. But Michel Gondry's interpretation of it and then seeing the 
the representation of the deleted memories. He really did a lot more, I think, for me in terms of like enjoying the film than Kaufman did. So I, I wanted to make sure to put that out there because I I'm not a huge fan of his filmography. I, I haven't seen. I mean, well, I saw Green Hornet and which was which was just fine. I'm, I'm sure that's the one that is that he wants when he, when he dies in his obituary. <laughs> it's gonna be a tour behind the Green Hornet film adaptation. <laughs> you know, I did read that the producer of the film said if we just hadn't pushed that extra bit of money into the 3D aspect of it, we would have come out ahead, and they would have made money on uh, it. It would have been profitable. Damn. And we could have gotten a Green Hornet too. It was totally enjoyable. You know, there was something I remember. Um, I don't remember if it was the director or Mister uh, Benny Boo himself on Daredevil, where they said if it had not been for the massive success of Sam Raimi's Spider Man uh, in 2002, before like they were, I think in or right on the cusp of production, that Fox said, "Hey, let's back up even more money to you guys because we're going to get that with this." And the filmmakers were like, you know, Daredevil doesn't really fly through the air or anything, right? Like, we don't have the spectacle. And there is an element there where it's just like, thanks, but no thanks. Because now what we have to measure up to as far as success, we can never attain that with this. You know, I think Frank Miller called him this, like, secondary character that, you know. Yeah. I guess secondary people like ourselves, like, come to to love. But, uh um, I, man, this has turned into like let's just talk about Daredevil. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't have someone like Gondry. Like, who directed Daredevil? Do you remember? It's this. It's the, is it the director of Ghost Rider? Is it that same guy? Something Stevenson, Mark, Mark something. Mark Steve- Johnson Stevenson. That, I think, that sounds. Maybe? That sounds. Like, don't tell me you're gonna turn around and whip out the DVD for Ghost Rider. If you do, I will. I'll- <laughs> no, my dog woke up and I was seeing if he was tearing thing awake, but instead he's just licking the pillow where his head once was resting, which <laughs> you talk about being self-involved. My dog also <laughs> fits that bill. When you have someone like Gondry, uh, just a very specific vision, I think you set yourself up for more success. Uh, and that's why I guess Daredevil failed. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting though. So in the comparison we could make here within this trilogy without, without Daredevil is that Gondry is going to bring something of himself. Uh, this, this sort of visual flair. Whereas in the prior film, film in our trilogy, a simple plan, Raimi, set all of that aside, all of those stylistic tendencies that he's sort of known for with his fan base. Do you think, was that, I mean, obviously he's trying to suit the, you know, this tone of the film he's going for, which would be muddled if we had tree rape mixed in with a sort of morality play that we're going on with. But it's almost like he was signaling to his, his own fan base as well. Like this one, it's not a Sam Raimi joint. Yes, I'm directing this, but Stay home if you don't want to just come watch A Simple Plan. You're not watching like a Sam Raimi movie here. But uh, I said in that episode that's kind of a little sad because I don't think he ever went back to this. I think he he went back to – well, he went to superheroes obviously. But also like going back to Drag Me to Hell, which we've done on the show, which is like him celebrating all that is Raimi on a slightly larger scale. He – definitely gets out of his own way because he knows that that's not what's best for the material. His directing style is all about being like bombastic and fun and finding creative ways to showcase these things in the script. 
simple plan just it, that's just not what the movie is and so in a way i guess we'll give him a lot of credit for that because he understands the material and the director once they know how to approach it and execute it and if it works then they did it and i think he he does do it even though it's not what you expect from a Raimi film so i mean good on him for being able to do that uh, with nobody's fool <laughs> you i can tell by your face you have the same thought i am which is uh who is this <laughs> who's responsible <laughs> for this that we we called such a joy and a treat well the thing with nobody's fool is that nobody's fool is so much just paul newman's baby that's mm. just what it is and the film lives and dies by the characters so no matter, I, I feel it, it's kind of like uh, Raimi's A Simple Plan, where I think the director just kind of needs to get out of the way and allow the star to overtake the film. And ultimately he does, and that's what we remember from the film. Well, that and, and, and the wonderful Melanie Griffith, of course. So how do you think that, uh, you know, we, we've kind of applauded A Simple Plan, but it is the one that sticks out in our trilogy where it doesn't have a big movie star. Like, uh, No Boy's Fool celebrates... Newman and call all that movie star charm, even if it is in his his golden years. Jim Carrey, I guess this was the peak for him. I don't think he ever topped this. Like even uh, financially, like an um, what would uh, Bruce Almighty would have been the year before this, which might have been his last huge box office hit. Um, and he never really topped this, I don't think, critically, either Eternal Sunshine. He'd had the Truman Show prior to this, the Majestic to some degree. Um, but A Simple Plan, I don't know if it works. Like, you, if you cast someone in the Bill Paxton lead, do you think that overpowers the narrative? To a certain degree, they're all recognizable, Billy Bob Thornton included, but they're character actors. Bridget Fonda, they they, they were never, like... The person. It's never Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt in this role. And I just, I remember reading, I think Nicolas Cage in the earlier 90s was attached to play the lead role here. Webb is saying no. I'm. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying no as in, like, yeah, he would not have worked. I think. Even in, like, the Leaving Las Vegas days, like pre Con Air face off, do you think maybe Nicolas Cage could have. Sure. But you put well, the thing is. I hope Nicholas Cage is not a subscriber. <laughs> I guess <laughs> says Webb. I'm thinking after seeing Bad Lieutenant, I okay. I, okay. <laughs> not <laughs> that is basically dragged me to hell territory that we're going for. <laughs> no, I I love Nick Cage and I want him to be utilized properly. Bad Lieutenant taps into everything that Nick Cage can do and what you're seeing on screen and is absolute magic and so that's that's kind of what i want from nick cage um the more subdued stuff from him it's just it's not as good i think adaptation is probably the only outlier there because he did and, and admittedly he said that i want like i followed everything that was spike jones Whatever he said, like that's what I did. I all my instinct as an actor, I turned them off. And got a fucking Oscar nomination out of it, so that might speak volumes as well. But yeah, if you put a star into uh, uh, these three characters with, with the um, who are fighting over the money, you have a tendency, I think, to take over the the three of them. And Billy Bob Thornton, to some credit, he became 
a leading man. I, I don't know how many things he starred in before this one. I don't want to insult his he filmography. He was still, um, you know, it was, it, this would have been the same year as like Armageddon, but you know, he's one of an ensemble. He's you know, NASA dork or you know, NASA like you know, executive or something. He's not one of the the guys on the Rock. Uh, <laughs> I love you know the, my love letter, my Valentine to Ben Affleck here. That bit on the uh, Armageddon commentary track. Have you ever heard it? I've never sat down and listened to an Armageddon commentary track, but there is a bit uh on there that you can find on youtube very easily where um he asked michael bay like early on in filming he's like hey um you know i'm sure someone's like you know answered this but i'm just not seeing it in the script but uh why uh in the world and the premise of this film is it easier to train a bunch of guys who work on an oil rig to fly into space to drill into a rock as opposed to training NASA astronauts and scientists how to work a drill because they already got the space travel down. And he said, Michael Bay said, shut the fuck up. And that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> if you can, find that clip and treat yourself. Because I love the idea that Ben Affleck was doing a solo Armageddon commentary and just talking shit about the movie. Oh, the heyday of DVDs. Oh, what a glorious time. Hi, I'm Ben Affleck. I asked Michael why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers, and he told me to shut the fuck up. So that, that was the end of that talk. He was like, you know, Ben, just shut up, okay? You know, this is a real plan, all right? I was like, you mean it's a real plan at NASA to train oil drillers? He was like, just shut your mouth. shut <laughs> up, See, here's where we demonstrate that, because Bruce is going to tell the guys that they did a bad job of building the drill tank. He did a piss. See, he's a salt-of-the-earth guy. And the NASA nerdonauts don't, uh, don't understand uh, his salt-of-the-earth ways, his rough-and-tumble ways. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's because your cans are all... Like, somehow they can build rocket ships, but they don't understand, like, what makes a good tranny. <laughs> we've, actually, uh, we've had them training for eight months solid now. Eight whole months? Well, pretty much, yeah. Uh, gee whiz. Well, like, eight whole months? As if that's not enough time to learn how to drill a hole, well, but in a week, we're going to learn how to be astronauts. Oh, one whole week? Now you know how to fly into space? I need my guys. Why do you need them? They're the best. Everyone's the best. Why are they the best? I don't know. They just are. I'm only the best because I work with the best. If you don't trust the men you're working with, you're as good as dead. If you want to send these boys into space, fine. I'm sure they'll make good astronauts. But they don't know jack about drilling. I mean, this is a little bit of a logic stretch, let's face it. They don't know jack about drilling. How hard can it be? Aim the drill at the ground and turn it on. You think it's just drilling a hole? There's a lot you gotta know about. And when you're gonna break, snap off an edge in a tranny on a corner of a hot pipe, and you're gonna get a gas pocket. Like, yeah, well, what about when the booster rockets don't fire and your EVA suit and your zero gravity, you know? Didn't you see, a, didn't you see Apollo 13, boy? Oh, Jesus. Even though these films occur during the holiday seasons and they deal with criminal activity, things that are generally unpleasant, I guess they ultimately do reflect what the seasons are about. Or at least they make us, they make us appreciate what we have during that time. 
So in that way, I guess the holidays can be celebrated with these types of films. I think this trilogy really, really does work in, in, in a big way. And I'm happy with all three of them. In particular, it's, uh, these are, there's different tones to it. Um, but it's very much about the sort of the haves and the have nots. As you said, there's far more, um, this sort of like impish kind of humor in nobody's fool where it's a guy who's just scraped by in his life and is taking from a man that he feels does not deserve, uh, to have as many spoils as he does, including Melanie Griffith. Um, thank you again. I would always go back to our episode and how, uh, astounded and pleased, uh, in very schoolboy fashion that Melanie Griffith flashed us. <laughs> that seemed to be a big <laughs> yeah. takeaway. So I understand Paul Newman's rage at Bruce Willis dismissing this, this gift. Uh, a simple plan is, is far more obvious in that it's people who are blue collar, um, struggling to even become middle class, having just a sack of money that they find in the woods. A uh, very dark fairy tale, which does, I think, fit with Sam Raimi's sensibilities as far as material. I'm just glad that he left <laughs> his own personal sensibilities behind. Eternal Sunshine, I think, is probably the one that most people, even though it's the most outlandish, could apply. Because it's about each individual's personal bullshit. And everywhere else, like it's like you can get you can get most of your life together. But if only there's some way to like erase yourself from existence, <laughs> that seems to be the thing. Like everything else, it's and maybe it's a brief blip in time. Like you know, I've I've talked, uh, I've mentioned on I think it's a simple plan episode. Like that we're in a pretty dire outlook as far as the uh, the wealth gap in this country, and maybe Eternal Sunshine only could have come out right then and there, where it's like, well, everything seems okay-ish. What I'd really like, I've got my iPod, I've got my apartment, I've got my hobbies. Um, it's these damn memories. It's memories that I've created. Can someone shuffle these out of existence? Can I create a new playlist? Because <laughs> like you, I both can admire and also become incredibly fucking annoyed with these characters. Like, really? This is this is our chief concern, huh? Okay. Take, take me back to... A simple plan where I can find that bag of money, then I'll I'll drink away the memories gladly. I'll participate in them. I'll be fine. <laughs> or at least play Russian roulette every day by sporting one of those hundred dollar bills for whatever it is that you need. <laughs> is today the day I go to prison? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I've got everything else in the world. <laughs> Let's play that game. <laughs> When can I say goodbye to this horrible existence? <laughs> <laughs> Yet again, happy holidays, our listeners. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Prospero año y felicidad I want to wish you a Merry Christmas I want to wish you a Merry Christmas I want to wish you a Merry Christmas From the bottom of my heart I want to wish you a Merry Christmas 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 I want
my 